I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in wonder. I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Glacé Film Club podcast. Yes, here we are to dive into another review once again. And of course, filled with energy, joy and passion to dive into another film. It's my film friend, co-host, Callum. Look at his face, he's ready, he's excited to review this week. How are you doing and how are you feeling now that we're firing into your few weeks of Easter? Fantastic. Must admit, it was um, it was much needed. Like the two weeks off, I feel like every single school holiday I have now, between between now and the summer, is going to feel like the last days of Rome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just because I know they're this is short short lived. Um, there's a, a an expiry date to all of all of these holidays. So yeah, well, as you as you announced um, on the last episode, for all of those interested in keeping up with your um, career endeavours, that you're leaving the teaching trade, and now this is your farewell tour, skipping through into the sunshine of the London summer. <laughs> and, and do you feel a big step closer now? That could be a song, couldn't it? London's London summer. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's something out there. There probably is. Um, yeah, I mean, and I feel like I'm like ending my career prospects. <laughs> use, use the word career very lightly there. Um, yeah, with a light touch. Don't emphasize that one too much. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I don't know what I'm going to do. Exciting though, isn't it? This, this. Just all of it. Just See, this is why, listeners, you need to keep backing us so we can keep pushing Callum to become a public intellectual, where he, he he deserves and longs to be, just popping up on Radio 4 every now and again with some insights and witty comments, the odd book here and there, public speech, town hall talks. This is the type of stuff we want to get going. I think I want to get that campaign going behind you, Callum. Public intellectual by the time, by this time next year. That's my aim. I don't know if I could call it. I, I, have to be, your tongue would have to be firmly in my cheek, though, if I refer to myself as a public intellectual. <laughs> yeah. Although that is basically what I endeavour to be. Just like, you know... I love the term. I can just yeah. see you walking up. T-shirt, Callum, Callum Hyde, public intellectual. On the back, like, like two world tour. Yeah, you, yeah, you world tour, and you can just have different T-shirts with different pretentious quotes that you've uh, made on the podcast over the years. I did actually. See, so I was in a, a pub toilet um, the other the other night. Um, it's how all good stories start, isn't it? I was in a, yeah, I was in a, I was in a pub toilet the other night, and there was a a quote on the um, on the uh, toilet wall, basically, and it said, "Life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans." And I was like, and it said, and it said JL underneath, and I believe it's a John Lennon quote because I got to Google it, and I just thought, oh, fuck off, <laughs> like honestly, honestly, like <laughs> I felt like pissing, trying to piss onto it, like standing on the urinal and pissing upwards, which I think is what the majority of the male population do anyway when they go to the toilet. Uh, but yeah, so I'm going to see what the, the London job market is saying. There's a few things in the pipeline that I've got I've got running, um, but the public intellectual thing is just, well, it's just the, it is the dream, isn't it? 
It's the inevitability. Yeah. It's the fate. It's, it's your fate, Callum. Well, maybe maybe you need to find a different 1960s musician to guide you. Maybe John Lennon's not the one for you, but I'm glad that you have been engaging so heartily within the uh, <laughs> the quotes that have been left. Oh, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't write the quote on the toilet on the on the, the, the pub toilet wall. Someone else had done it. I just thought of all of all the things. It's so, so bloody cliche, isn't it? Anyway, um, well, I'm glad the sun's shining bright on you in London, and you've brought some of the uh, textbook joy that was built. But I think that's going to slide us nicely into the review this week because we've gone a little bit off piste. We've never done this style of film before, and I'll save it to Callum to let you know. But this was a little bit of darkness in there heavy swearing in the film and I think you've got to kind of dive into that to really appreciate it but before I give the game away I will throw the ball straight over to Callum for one of your classic reviews overviews please tell us what the film is Callum why was it a little bit different to one of ours and give us your overview synopsis of what went on please well it was called An Irish Goodbye um, and it won the Oscar for the best short film um, at the Oscars uh, and I feel like I'm appropriately dressed for this because I'm wearing all black, um, which is you know. And the, the, you must have known. You must well, have known. the topic of the film is mourning, really. Um, it's basically a black comedy set uh, in Glen Mon- um which is a tiny, tiny, tiny hamlet in the west of County Tyrone in Northern Ireland, and apparently. According to Wikipedia, it only has seventy-eight people living in it. Population not of, many. It's not many. It's not many at all. Um, it's basically uh, about two brothers. Their mum's just died, and uh, from an illness, basically. And one of the brothers uh, comes back uh, to from London to basically sell the family farm and um, sort out his brother who has Down syndrome to go and live with uh, their aunt, and it's becomes apparent that their mum, uh, Granny, had a, a bucket list to do before she died, basically. Um, and the two brothers try and fulfil that bucket list with their mother and they're just carting her around in an urn and they're trying to do all these different things that she wanted to do before she died. Um, uh, and... There's a very funny scene when one of her dreams was to go skydiving and they basically launch an urn off a bridge um, and they've put a little bin bag with a leg with rope tied around the urn and the, the, the assumption is that she'll just float down and actually they just launch it off a bridge and it just falls flat and smashes everywhere, which I think is a metaphor for um, just for life, really. Um but yeah, it's incredibly dark, but also incredibly funny as well. Like it is, it's a movie about sort of family dynamics when death hits you. I mean, there's like a lot of swearing, like almost hyperbolic swearing in it, and it's it it's a movie about how do you actually deal with death, basically, particularly when you don't have the vernacular to actually talk about it because you never really talk about death until it's there, until it's, until it's happened. So whenever people do talk about death, they they almost they either don't talk about it or it becomes hyperbolic in how they talk about it in some respects, because you're just not experienced enough to deal with it to deal with talking about death, and that's what it's about really. That's what the movie is about, um, and it's really really good. That's my overview. Thank you very much, right. Callum. So yeah, straight away. It was a new insight, as you say, to watch a short film. And I was really keen to do this because 
obviously we go through documentaries and we've got feature films in there, but there's a certain joy to the short film. But there's, I think for us as critics, this is what we're looking to do. It's a new challenge to assess something that is obviously much shorter, tighter, and then it's got different ways of approaching the film. So straight away, my reaction to this was that I thought it was warm-heartedly dark. And what I mean by that is that the humour in it was, it was very funny, like even laugh out loud at points. And there's some real high points that I enjoyed at it. But the subject matter, as you say, Callum, was was dark. Obviously, it was set. It was um, a period of, of mourning. But was emphasized the darkness was emphasized in many ways even like little quips from um <laughs> the father <laughs> that goes around and he's there come from the church to kind of like assist with procedures afterwards but he's very um uh, he misplaces his comments a lot and ends up making some inappropriate comments and some of those are very dark and funny at the same time so you've got this very like intensely dark humor but i think running throughout it is this warm plot which then resolves itself at the end and i think with a short film there's so many different ways you can approach it people make short films to then tease for a longer film sometimes a short films made as part of the start of a series sometimes it's made that just cuts off and it's just as if this was just a segment of oh here's 20 minutes that could have come from the middle of a feature film but what i loved about this it really did resolve itself there was a full narrative arc to it and there's a lot of character development in a very short period of time so those two brothers the one of them, the one who is living in England, he is very much at the beginning of the mindset of he wants to get this over and done with. He's blocking it out. He's not dealing with the grief very well. He's very cold to it. And by that, he just wants to sell the house, send his brother to be looked after by his auntie, get it dealt with as quickly as possible. But then the humanity comes through, through the humour, through the love of his brother, how that's shown in different ways. But what comes through is this daft, dark humour addressing a very intense subject matter, but then comes through with the warmth of their relationship and, and how that develops. And I, I really like that, how you've been thrown in one direction of the the comedy and the darkness, but yet you can still feel that warmth bubbling away throughout it. And at the end, you really get that resolution of feel lit within the characters. And I, and I say that there's the visual warmth of them sat round the fire at the end where they've done the, the hundredth thing on the bucket list and they've the suggestion is that they've fired off the ashes on fireworks and then they've, they've set a bonfire because uh, it was, I want to go into outer space. But you feel, you see the visual warmth of that moment on the fire, but you feel the 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 symbolic warmth of how that has all resolved itself and that relationship comes together. And I think for a 25-minute film, so much happens and you go through an emotional experience with it and you feel completion at the end. And I think that is a real success of the film and I really like that about it. What about you, Callum? You mentioned about the, the darkness and the comedy. How do you think that worked together? I just thought it was quite refreshing, really, just to have a... Um, a short film about something that everyone will experience at some point in their life. Um, and the sort of like the darkness, I mean, I read an article in the Irish Times about this, I was saying to you off mic about how uh, the directors and the writers um, saw a conversation between two brothers at a football match. And that was how the sort of, um, about death, and that was how the sort of the, the film came about, I believe. Um, and 
they wanted to sort of capture um, a particular quintessentially sort of like Northern Irish kind of sentiment, really. So the sort of swearing in particular, um, they were saying it's quite a, a Northern Irish type of uh, thing. Um, I mean, it's interesting, really, just sort of looking at how they talk about death in particular, because like the the elder brother who lives in London wants to sort of, like you say, kind of not necessarily ignore it, but just kind of like very quickly just just get everything done, get all the practicalities sorted, um, get everything that needs to be done, done quickly, and then, and then deal with it later. Whereas the younger brother kind of wants time to actually reflect on his mother's life, and he deals with it in a much more sort of sentimental way. And that juxtaposition is what I think drives the movie, the, the, the short film, sorry, these two opposing ways of dealing with death. And it for me in particular, it certainly um, struck a chord with me. So I remember when um, oh, my when my granddad and grandma died, and mum's um, boyfriend died as well. Like that was um, that that was that was a bit that was strange because you never really talk or address death until it happens, right? But and you just not you just not sort of like experience. It's quite a taboo subject. You don't really talk about, you know, death and how you're going to deal with it. You just kind of deal with it when it comes along, really. Um, and that's what this movie, I think, is um, is about. It's like taking the sort of the swearing and the sort of like the hyperbolizing the the emotion and sort of like pushing you to think, oh well, how do how would one talk about death? No one really knows because until it happens and. With this, with this film, there's just a there's a there's just a lovely sort of softness to it in how it's in how they talk about it. Like the relationship between the two brothers is really really nice. Like it it it's such a it's a convincing relationship actually, and that's what the power of the the film is. The fact that it was able to sort of like construct these relationships in such a short space of time, and for you to feel utterly convinced by the reality and the sort of the honesty of their performances. I think that's a testament to the actors generally, but the script as well is quite powerful. Like you feel as though they they are brothers, and to achieve that in such a short space of time is is incredibly powerful. But again, I also think of this because of the subject matter as well, because the subject matter is so raw and emotional, and it's about the death of a matriarch, and the fact that added by the fact that they're literally carrying her remains around with them throughout the film all the time, adds sort of like a rawness to it. And it sort of like almost sort of makes you focus even more on the on the on the relationship between the two of them because of the the rawness of the the actual event itself. Um, but yeah, the the fact that they were able to convince to, to frame that convincing relationship about something that is so difficult to understand at the best of times is was quite powerful. I thought. Yeah, absolutely, and. What you say there, I think, is a very important part of the film in that it is an exploration of how we process grief. And as you say, the two brothers handle it very differently. But I think there's an element there of a critique of how we set up in society to deal with emotional situations. Because, as you say, uh, the brother who has been living in Ireland in the family setting at home in a more rural uh, situation, he processes it more emotionally, 
And then you said there's a sentimentality there. But the, it is made a point of throughout that the other brother is living in London. And when kind of pushed on that, and he gets a bit irate about it, he's like, I can't stay here forever. Like, I need to get on with my life and do something. There is a suggestion there of, yes, there's that first surface level of how do these two characters process grief and how do we collectively process grief. But then there's that step of, well, the brother who's struggling to open up about it, he's living in cosmopolitan city, trying to live the life, trying to get on with his life. Whereas the other brother who's removed from that feels more in touch with the family and more emotional. And I think there's almost a little critique in there of like fast paced modern society disconnecting us from raw, true emotions. And I, as they, I mean, this is something that happens in a lot of films, isn't it? Like, oh, the city slicker goes back to the roots and they find the connection. And, you know, that's, that is a story that goes through a lot of stuff. But it's very interesting that how this really does it in a very dark, grief-heavy situation. It's not just the token, oh, like somebody's grandmother died in a family situation and then they go back to their hometown and then they meet their high school sweetheart. That's kind of how it does with a soft touch sometimes. Whereas this is deep and dark and you feel the loneliness of it. It's just the two of them um, in this situation. And then the even more loneliness where one of them is living in London and then the the brothers live in, in Ireland. I think there's a lot to be said there of how it goes into the rawness and darkness of the grief, but then the difficulty to actually deal with that situation, but then that little critique of how, as society, we are quite separate and detached from those more base emotions, and when they do recreate, reconnect with that, with the more the family ties, the closeness of their uh, brotherly relationship... And the more natural elements, going back to what I said with the fire and the, the the nature side of things, there's definitely something there to look at. And I don't think it's necessarily making a point or saying this is what we think, this is how it should be. It's throwing that situation, as you said, which isn't necessarily discussed to those depths and darkness um, in day-to-day conversation and just presenting it in a way which can be accessed through the comedy. And I, I liked that about it. I think that's what gave it its niche. And that's why I can see it stood out um, across other short films. And I really like that. One thing I want to ask you, though, Callum, because another standout feature of the film is the visuals. What are the visuals of it? I've mentioned a few elements there, but I think the camera shots and the way that it is done in this it makes it feel a bit more isolated focused on the individuals and especially those scenes around their dinner table where you've got those very central shots back and forth of the two characters how did you view the visuals of the film and do you think it do you think it added to what it was trying to do in general i mean the, the i mean the visuals sort of like emphasize the the sort of the bleakness and the sort of the desolate how desolate the area is i mean the fact that, like, again, which is why I think it works as a, as a short film in particular, because there's nobody else about, like, in the movie. It's just it's just the brothers and then the father the, 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 from the church, the local parish. Um, but like that adds to the the house, I guess, alone they must feel now that they're ma- now that the matriarchs died because there's no, there's no mention of um, their dad in the film either. It's just purely the the death yeah. of the matriarch, which is again a really sort of like nice sort of interesting dynamic. And even when they're when they're sat at the um, 
the dinner table in particular, like it, the only thing that's actually lit is them two and what they're eating. The rest of everything, the, all, all the other rooms like should have shrouded in darkness. Which again, that incidentally, that's quite a funny scene when it's like, do you not, do you not cook in London? Um, it's really, really funny. Like, and he's like, what do you mean? It's like, this is, this is shite. <laughs> what you've, yeah, what you've cooked. The comedy is great because yeah. it's cutting, isn't it? Yeah. But as you were saying, there's, there's an element of affection in the, the heaviness of the comedy. There's no necessary offence made there, even though there's shocking comments, language and situations put forward. It all seems like it kind of coalesces in an affectionate outpouring rather than an aggressive one. And that's eventually what leads to this softer coming together at the end. Well, that's, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the power, that's what the visuals play as well. Because like the visuals emphasise the sort of the emptiness and the sort of the remoteness of their situation, sort of like both physically, for the actual landscape, um, and sort of emotionally as well. Um, the, it, it makes it makes you focus more on the emotions and the language that they're saying because of the the the, the way it's shot, basically. Um, and that that scene at the, the dinner table is quite a classic sort of um, trope, really. That's in quite a lot of pieces of art, in particular nineteenth, like, well, nineteenth century art in particular, but also just general sort of film cinematography as well this sort of like two opposing forces sat at the two end of a dinner table it's like that's quite a um a historic construction um it did have a very historic feel to that i think it was executed beautifully in terms of the visuals and the lighting on it but i hadn't really thought of it that way but you're right it was a very historic you can picture like kings you can picture um families of like the aristocracy sat in a kind of situation like that in old settings old films and it, it created that that sense to quote super handsome peep show <laughs> it created a powerful sense of dread and yeah, yeah but yeah. yeah but the 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 irony of that was that it wasn't it was it wanted you to feel that darkness of the situation but was cracked open by the warmness of the relationship and then how they works through it. Well, the dinner table in particular, it's a sort of universal, universally recognised thing. It's like historically people would have conversations around the dinner table. Don't, don't say any more though. People just eat food off their laps these days. Or in my case, <laughs> in my case, you just go and get your tea from Pret. But the point I'm making is... <laughs> Let's not go on the Pret, Sandra. The Pret, the Pret. The pret. <laughs> I was going to say the Pret that I'm making now. Oh, it's like the point that I'm making now <laughs> is um, that basically the, the, the dinner table is um, a historically universally recognised thing where difficult conversations or positive conversations mm. would take place. And, you know, that is the fact that they... Because um, that is kind of crescendos at that point, doesn't it? When it's like, um, you know, well, what like because they, they have their argument at the table, which is again an interesting construct of the family. Because it's like the, the death of the matriarch, the person that would historically um, sort of garnish the table with food, um, can now no longer do that, and that is what they. That's what they. That's what they feel. I think they feel the emptiness and the sadness, and the camera shots emphasize that. But the dinner table, like I said, is historically a very powerful sort of um, uh, piece of symbolism in some respects, and it certainly operates in that way here. Yeah, definitely. And and as I said, I think that they've used a lot of very effective filmmaking features, whether that be 
the writing is very tight. There's a good narrative art to it. And there's a very set kind of thing to grab onto with this list. And then the little bit of twist that that offers towards the end, but allows that moment, the pivotal moment is where you think he's going into his room to like have a go at him for lying to him about the list that he actually wrote rather than his rather than their mother who died whereas actually goes well we need to finish it don't we bang film goes onto another uh, angle there and you see this resolution of it all but you said i think they do really well in building up that dread that kind of darkness at the beginning both from the subject matter but visually and the frostiness that you feel in the relationship but this all thaws later on and I keep going back to the symbolism of that fire, but that fire thaws everything in the film and, and has a very wholesome, satisfying ending without it being a, a cop-out, cheesy one. And I think that works. Visuals combined with the writing and then obviously the performances are all very tight and in unison, and I think that comes through nicely. Right, let's wrap this up, Callum. I'm going to throw over to you. Could you give me your summary, overview, and then your mark out a 10, please? I just think it works really well as a um, uh, a short film, really. Like, it focuses on a particular event and then explores some of the emotion around that event. Um, the fact that you are convinced by the relationship of the two brothers in such a short space of time is testament to the power of the writing, testament to the power of the subject matter. Um, and I just think it works really, really well. Um, and it's funny as well. It's a black comedy, and I do love... I, I love comedy that sort of... I do quite, I love levity um, in particular, and I love that type of that style as well. I think it's um, I think it's really really funny. So for me, um, it is ten out of ten, um, just because it it's a twenty seven minute movie about death, and it's just shot and done quite well. Um, that's it for me, really. It is just good. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Callum, for that summary. Yeah, I mean, I agree with pretty much everything you've said there. I think the subject matter is addressed really well. And when a film can take a subject matter that feels tricky to address and find, and but something that's universal and is, of course, addressed in so many other films, but still find a little niche in there where it still feels fresh and a little bit different and gives you a different insight. I think that's a success. Visually, really well done. And I mean, just going from an out-and-out filmmaking perspective, I think the shots look fantastic. The lighting's really good. The framing of the cameras and the uh, the choices that they've made stylistically work um, alongside the writing. And as we said, there's a, it opens up with that kind of darkness, frostiness, but there's a thaw throughout and there's a clear narrative arc that resolves itself. And I just found it funny. It was for a short film to get some real good laugh out loud moments in there was brilliant but it did also add to this like you said almost shocking nature of it to then allow the the dark subject matter to be cut through in a different way my only criticism would be is that and maybe just this is just taste is that as funny as I thought it was, I feel like sometimes that shock value was maybe pushed a bit too much to be like, let's get a lot of dark jokes with a lot of swearing in and constantly to cross that line, which worked, but sometimes it just felt like, right, okay, there's a lot of this now. Is it like, we get the point of what's trying to be done here. Maybe it could have been done slightly more subtly, but 
hey, maybe that's just taste. So I'm going to go 9 out of 10. Fantastic. Can absolutely see why it won the best shot at the Oscars. I think it won at the BAFTAs as well. Bit of a clean up there. So very glad we watched it. Good to dive into a short as well, Callum. And I'm sure Always, we will yeah. give more shorts a go because it's... It gives us a new challenge as well. What can we dig out of a film that's the same length as the podcast episode? And I I like that as well. I like that. So yeah, 9 out of 10 for me. But that's it, Callum. That's the end. Another episode wrapped up. But as we uh, said at the beginning of the episode, you've got a good few weeks ahead. And to tease the listeners, we have got a special episode we're going to record very soon. I'm not going to tell you the full details, but we will be seeing each other very soon to get ourselves in a fun cinematic space to take our reviewing voices out into the public realm so other people can hear us as we are going. But that's later this is now that was an irish goodbye thank you very much callum for joining me another great review thank you everybody for listening but until next time that was the glass a film club podcast we'll see you all later